Thanks for tuning in to the Parent Stuff Podcast. My name is Evan Semenko, and I am the host here. I am so excited to have Marsha Anders here on the podcast today. Marsha has been a social worker. She has worked with CPS and all kinds of different areas of working with kids and families. She has a pretty incredible story about her and her husband and how they've been able to go through a loss of a child and all kinds of stuff over the years. I do want to warn you that today there is a description of a child that passes away in a house fire and I just want to let you know that and be aware of that as she shares that story and I'm just so thankful that you're here and I hope today that you'll be encouraged and knowing what the incredible men and women working to help kids and advocate on their behalf are doing here in our city and our community and I thank you again for listening make sure you subscribe and leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast and it helps it to be found easier for people to get to it and I hope again this episode will let you know that there are some great people doing some great things in the community. If you know somebody or are going through an experience where you need to talk to a counselor, Marsha has graciously offered her services. We'd love to refer to her and help out with that as she's somebody that I think you are going to get to know and like. And I hope again that if you have something that we can help you with, some tough situations going on, we want to help you as a church to walk alongside you with that. Thanks again for listening. And here's Marsha Anders. All right, welcome to the Parent Stuff Podcast. I am so excited to have a new guest here that I think will be new to most of us. She just reached out and got to talk with her via the website, actually, and you've been checking out Simple Church and have a pretty incredible story. So introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, and let us get to know you. Uh, I'm Marsha Anders. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I live and work in Mansfield. I'm married uh, for the last three years to my former high school sweetheart, which that's a whole nother story. You want to hear that story? Go ahead. That's a pretty okay. cool story. When I was 15 and he was 16, we met at a high school basketball game and fell madly in love as 15 and 16 year olds do. Uh, both of our parents thought for a while that we were a little bit too serious. So they <laughs> kind of encouraged us to go our separate ways, which we did. I went on to school. He went into the oil field. Uh, we both kissed a few frogs along the way and they <laughs> A little history and in 2014 I was in a very critical car accident mm. I fell asleep coming in from work after I had interviewed a child victim of sexual assault and fell asleep on the way home I hit an 18 wheeler head-on was in the hospital for a year uh, unable to walk lots of lots and lots and lots of broken bones mm. so during that time I had one son um and he was helping take care of me while I was recuperating. And he said, Bob, let me hook you up with social media. And I, I was like, I, way too old to care about social media, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I let him do it. There wasn't much I could do to stop him. But, you know, <laughs> he was right. I got bored and I would sit there at night jacking with my little laptop and thinking, well, I wonder what happened to so-and-so. I wonder what happened to so-and-so. So I punched in my now husband's name and found him and sent him a friend request he quickly answered and we started talking and he was about to move from our hometowns which mine was in converse which is about 75 80 miles south of here his was pleasant hill which was only about 18 miles from mine he was about to move to arizona where his middle daughter was in uh, the military in the army and so i said well that's awesome you know you have kids and we caught up and he moved to arizona we kept talking then finally one day i said look dude can we like talk on the phone 
because my fingers are getting tired. So <laughs> a lot of typing. The, you know, because I was really getting, you know, kind of tired of the whole yeah. typing thing. So we started talking and we talked more and more and more for about six months. I was walking. I had gone through intensive rehab and physical therapy and was walking again uh, with a cane and uh, back to work part time doing some private practice. And uh, he said, oh, I'm coming home. I'm going to fly in and I'm going to check on my house in Pleasant Hill. Let's get together, have dinner. And I was like, okay. So I went to the airport, picked him up. We hung out for a few weeks, had a great time. He flew back to Arizona. And about three weeks after that, he called me and he goes, this isn't working for me. I'm coming home. And I said, you know, this isn't working for me either. So he came back, moved back. And about a year after that, we got married. So a we, modern day love story. It was, <laughs> and, you know, it's really the kind of story you would think of that people are making up. I swear, I'm not making it up. So yeah, met when you were 15, 16, yes. reconnected on Facebook x yes. amount of years later, yes. and here you are, happily yes. married, again. very happily married, oh. and uh, it was a, a very good time for me. Because and you know, God works in very mysterious ways. Because when I mentioned earlier, I had a son uh, during the time that I was recuperating. Uh, I think I came home from uh, life care rehab uh, on Mother's Day weekend in 2014 because I was harassing them so much. They sent me home <laughs> by ambulance in a hospital bed and my so I could have Mother's Day with my son. And uh, two weeks after that, he passed away of an aneurysm, a mm. brain aneurysm. He was 35 years old, wow. uh, high school basketball coach, used to coach at Bossier High School. And when he passed away, he was coaching uh, at Zawali. So that was a very, very tough time for me. Mm. Still in the bed, still couldn't do anything. And I'm a super active person. I mean, I probably have a little ADHD myself because <laughs> I, I can't sit still. And so, you know, I felt sorry for myself. I did all of those things that normal grieving people do. But I was so mad at God. Mm. I was so mad at him. I would yell at him when I had time in my hospital bed by myself. And he just let me yell and let me work through it. And that still little voice in the back of my head was still saying, I know you're hurt, but it was my choice. And he lived his life and he was good and he was saved. And you need to shut up and you need to move on. <laughs> and so I did. There so, you go. Um, Social work? You want me to talk about that? Yeah, well, let's just real quick with that because I think okay. that's such a great point because I think too many times, especially if you've not grown up in church or you're kind of on the fringe, you think like when something happens to you that you're mad at God and then you push God away. Right. And it's a natural response because we're is. mad at the situation. It but is. But the Bible is so full of so many people that God said were after his own heart that we're mad at God and talk to him and we're honest, we're yelling, we're yes. going to that point. And I think that's just something that maybe somebody needs to hear that today, that it's okay yes. to be mad at God. He can handle it. It is. And he does handle it. And, you know, and he he kept sending me messages because, I mean, I was so blessed to have good. Fr I have no siblings. I was raised. I was an only child. Mm. My parents both deceased at the time I had that wreck. So it was like, and I was divorced. So when my son died, it was like, Okay. Yeah. 
you know, now what? I had wonderful friends. They took turns and, and took care of me and stayed 24-7 and pushed me and yelled at me yeah. when I didn't want to get up and hurt and do physical therapy, you mm. know, even cursed at me sometimes, <laughs> you know, because some of them are kind if of rough. If you've listened to Justin, our simple church, I don't think we have any problem with that. I we mean, call him the cussing know, pastor. They yeah, they were kind of rough. <laughs> and, but then I would get mad at them and say, you know, I can show you what I can do over here. Yeah. So, yes, I was you know, ashamed of myself for being mad at God. I was raised in the church, got away from it for a while, a little bit, never lost faith, never lost Mm. faith, just got away from church, church, you know, so that when my son died, I knew it was God's choice. You know, all of those things that I had learned told me it was his time and we all have a season and that was his, and he was blessed, and I was blessed to have had all those memories, because he was really a good kid. Like I told you earlier, he was a much better person than I was. (laughs) I was the rebellious. That's the golf parents, right? You want your kids to be better. I'm still rebellious. You know, he was a pretty good guy. I mean, I think I'm okay, but he was better than me, but I know where he is, and I know what he did, and I know he's okay, and I know that while he may not be able to speak to me, I know what I know. He's everything is good. Everything yeah. is good. And that's such a hard place to get to. And I think that's it why is. a lot of people. It was very hard. But so in the midst of all that, for me and my husband, whose name is Jim, for he and I to get back together, it was almost like my son sent him. My son and God brought us together because mm. I would have never got on social media. I really don't like it yeah. that much. It has its place and its benefit. And it has good things it can do. But, you know, it just wasn't something I was ever interested in. If he hadn't done that for me, you know, then who's to say we would have ever gotten together? Right. And this is a parenting podcast. It's directed yes. to parents. Most of them are probably a younger demographic. And I just think about what you said about friends, too. How important was it that you had those friends Absolutely. in your life? And as an adult, right, it's harder. Uh, I don't know if you know John Mulaney is a comedian, but he said one of Jesus' yes. greatest miracles was that he had 12 adult friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> as you get in your 30s, that you would have friends still. And some yes. of you maybe, that's why we do life groups. We try to connect those things. Right. We just did an aquarium event where we had the families go and do it. And we ended up eating with friends after. And I just think about like, Man, if those awful situations, the people that would be there in your life to step up. I had COVID in September and people brought us meals and were able to be there. Well, and one of my very, very good long-term friends, her husband passed away yesterday of COVID. Really super good guy. And, you know, breaks my heart. Right. But I just think about in that scenario, like you are divorced, you're alone. And if you don't have those people in your life, and sometimes it's so overwhelming. It's like, I'll get to that later and don't do it. Uh But it's such an important thing. And through the church, that is something we value and want you to be in a life group. They'll start back in January and a little plug for that because cool. that's a way to meet people and have that relationship that maybe they don't know how to start and how to do it. It's very difficult. It's yeah. way more difficult for adults Absolutely. to do that kind of thing than it is because we're so caught up in everything that's daily life. Right. You and know. especially parents. And if you're a single right. parent, right. balancing all those plates, right. <laughs> exactly. keeping them up in the Been air. Been there and done that. Right. And just going back to teenagers, I was a youth pastor. And one of the things we said constantly was your friends will determine the quality and direction of your life. That's exactly right. That the people right. you hang around are the ones that influence. So even now, as you think about who your kids are around and getting them in student ministry, kids ministry, even at that age, right. trying to help to guide that. So when those awful 
awful situation happens, there's all those people in your life. That could not have survived without them. Mm, absolutely. Let's get into social work now. You talked about that okay. and just some of the stuff you sent me. Again, we were meeting for the first time in person, yes. and I'm just so thankful you reached out. And it sounds like you've had a, a pretty incredible run and gone through some difficult situations. Talk about a little bit about how you got started and your time in social work, and we'll get into some more of the specifics. Never did I grow up thinking I was going to be a social worker. It was not one of those things that, you know, like my son always knew he was going to be a basketball coach. I did not know I was going to be a social worker. I'm not sure I knew what that was. Uh, When I first started college, I went in pre-law because I was going to be a lawyer and change the world. Mm. And what I figured out during that process was I was more involved and more interested in the helping the people part of it than the legal part of it. So I did a little research. Plus, my mother growing up, my mother was diagnosed bipolar. Mm -hmm. And for those who don't know much about bipolar, it's a very serious mental illness. And it's... uh, it can cause a lot of issues when you're a child and you're being raised by a non-medicated bipolar. Because when you come home, it's like we walk in the door on tiptoes till you see what things are going to be like. Yeah. Because it could be really, really fun day or it could be a really, really hot under the, the house day. Because mm. I had some days like that. So when I pulled it together from the helping people part, did the research on the profession of social work, I thought, you know what, that that is what I, I need to do. That is what I want to do. I may not ever be rich, but that is what I want to do. So I went and graduated with that, got a bachelor's degree, and then I started working for the state of Louisiana because that was like the only job I could find. <laughs> I was handing out food stamps is basically what I did. But wow. from there, I ended up working for Child Protective Services. I started out as a, an Abuse and neglect investigator, and I did that for um, 11 years. Um, I've done it in Shreveport, I've done it in Bossier, I've done it in uh, Mansfield, DeSoto Parish. So I've had rural and city, and I ended up moving into the management part. And when I retired 30 years later, um, I was a program director with Cattle Parish Investigations. So I did that for 30 years. Uh, After that, I Thought I was going to retire, stayed home for a couple of months, didn't like it. I got a contract. I did some work at uh, elementary school, working with high-risk kids. And from the, I worked in mental uh, medical health clinics, being their uh, contract social worker. And for the last four years, I've done, uh, I'm the clinical director for Outreach Family Services in Mansfield. We do private mental health for uh, Shreveport, Bossier, uh Red River, Natchitoches, Sabine, and DeSoto Parish. We have social. We have counselors and social workers that go out into the home, mm-hmm. uh, and I also uh, lead groups for probation and parole in DeSoto Parish. I do a domestic violence perpetrators group, uh, and I also do a substance abuse education and awareness group for first offenders, marijuana, meth, uh, you name it. We do it. And I have a partner who does that with me. That's a lot. You've seen some one stuff. One more thing. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Yes, thing. ma'am. I also do grief counseling because yeah. of what all I've gone, you know, been through myself. In that area down in DeSoto Parish, or, or anybody that called me, actually. And that is a pro bono thing I like to do because mm. I do, I, I, I've got experience with it. And, you know, before my son died, I thought, oh, you know, I know I, I've got master's degree. I've got two master's degrees. I know everything about counseling and social work, you could tell me. But 
when my son passed away, I learned what grief counseling really was. Mm -hmm. I went to therapy. It helped me. So if someone loses a child from age zero to 100, Mm -hmm. if they call or someone calls to me, I will be there. I will meet with them. I'll do ongoing counseling. If their child has been murdered, right now I'm going through a situation with a lady whose son was murdered, and I'm with her every step of the way. Uh, And that's on me. You know, that's something God told me I need to do. It's heavy. So that's you've seen some stuff. I'm sure (laughs) a little bit. Absolutely. And so what I would like to do, if you're okay, is put in the show notes. So when they're listening to this podcast, they can go find a way to get in touch with you and we'll put all that information. Okay. And if somebody, you know, or refer to, we're just so thankful that you were willing to reach out and offer to help. Absolutely. And so you talked about telehealth too. So even right now, I'm I'm equipped to do telehealth from my home office. Um, I can be there. I can meet them in person if that's what they need me to do. We'll wear our masks and sit across from each other. I've got an office with a big table. Um, uh, or I'll call them on the phone. We'll set something up. We'll either do Zoom, FaceTime, whatever whatever mechanism they have that's available. Absolutely. So we are so thankful for that. And hopefully it'll help some families that are listening to this. And I'm thankful now to know because we have another person that I can refer to. Because yes. in ministry, yes. sadly, most of the time they're coming in crisis. We're oh, one absolutely. of the first people that they come to absolutely. and know and have that relationship. And I've definitely, I'm sure, not seen stuff to your level. But we've been through some pretty tough situations with families it's all and over. CPS and yes. different things where it's just at their worst moment, they turn to the church. And we're so thankful that we have folks that are willing to do that. And for you, I'm sure you've had some some difficult situations, but I'm sure you've had some times that you really were able to change people's lives. I mean, you were somebody that was there for them and their hardest. Yeah, I live for the good stories. Yeah, and it's not always good stories, right? And that's where it's discouraging in counseling and I'm sure in ministry of some of the ones that you think are going to work out and be better and they let you down and stuff happens. Well, and and I do want to add with my therapy, with my counseling with families, I'd use my spirituality a lot Mm -hmm. because I know personally and professionally without faith in something bigger than me, I would not survive. I would not be here. It's too difficult. I mean, there's just so many awful situations. Yeah. And that one of my favorite verses is God is always looking to redeem those that love him. And that's the redemption story. We have a friend right now that her husband is going through some pretty awful stuff and we help to pay for their counseling and go through and do something because... At those moments, sadly, a lot of times I feel like the church and Christians, we turn away, right? Yes. That when they have that crisis, yes. when they have that bad situation, you're like, oh, well, they're bad now. They're done. They're used up. Right. And that we should be the ones running to them because God ran to us first when exactly. he loved us before. We figured it out and we can be that. And I think too many times, sadly, it's the other way. And if you have friends or people, if you're listening to this podcast that are going through difficult situations, please be the person that reaches out to them. Ask even Absolutely. if it's uncomfortable and help and then turn to us, turn to you, find someone to get them the professional help they need. So yes. let's start on a tougher note. And maybe if you have a story, I kind of sent you this ahead of time of maybe one of the tougher situations you've seen. And I think for me as a parent, right, you hear stories and you see different stuff, but you live it every day of these real situations of real people that are going through in our city, in our area that have gone through some pretty awful things. And maybe some of the kids that have come out of that and been for the better. Do you have a story that maybe stood out or thought of? I have several stories, but one that always sticks in my mind, are, are we wanting the best or the worst? Let's start worst and we'll go okay. positive. Yes, ma'am. One of the ones that always pops into my mind, and, and again, like I said, I've I've seen, I've done fatalities, I've mm. done sexual assault cases, 
But there was one case in particular. I got a call early one morning to drive to um, a rural area in DeSoto Parish, but closer actually to Caddo, where there had been a house fire. And so I went, and normally in situations, because there were no parents home, it became a CPS issue, mm. okay? There were five children left in the home, and the, and the oldest one was nine years old, and the house caught on fire. There was one fatality. When I got there, I assumed, made an assumption, that the uh, body would have been removed because that's usually the way those kind of investigations went. Well, it didn't go that way. And as I was walking down the hall, I had to step across a nine-year-old's burned body whose hand was sticking up, Mm. like, help me. You know, well, then that wasn't bad enough. I walked outside and one of the uh, EMT uh, guys was out there. He was brand new. It was his first call and he was standing out there throwing up beside the front steps. So I walked over and patted him on the back and said, you know, there's nothing that I can say that's going to make this any easier for you. I said, you know, but if I were you, I would just learn to pray about these situations and, you know, God will help you deal with them. Well, then I had to interview the four younger children, not the youngest, because I think he was like seven months old. But Mm -hmm. the other three children were, I think, seven, five, and four. The seven-year-old little girl, when I was interviewing her, she she told me the story of how her older sister's hair got uh, caught on fire by the space heater. Mom and dad had both gone to work. School was out for winter break. They didn't have the money for a babysitter. And the seven-year-old is telling me this. Mm. And she said, now my sister tried to get us all out of the house. And I and then I went back in and tried to pull her out. And she said, you go on outside. I'm going with the angels. Mm. And then I thought about that hand. Yeah, You know, that story has, and I've seen, probably worse stories, you know, extreme physical abuse, children who died, you know, things. But that one story, I felt for the parents Yeah. because even though it was a bad choice that they made, they needed to work and they didn't have family to keep those children. And never in a wild dream did they expect that house to catch on fire. So, um, Sheriff's Department wanted to arrest the parents. I was, and normally I will say this, I I believe that people should be punished if they intentionally harm children. There's no doubt about that. But in my mind, they didn't intentionally try to harm their children. And there is nothing that we could have done to them that would have been any worse than what they will always have to live with. So I talked and I talked and I talked and I went to the sheriff and blah, blah, blah. And we did not have them arrested. We provided counseling for them. They ended up, you know, in another house, keeping all working, got some daycare, you know, tried to help them through the grief and everything. And I still stay sort of in contact with them. Yeah. Wow. So what, how do you feel like, Maybe it's the way you're wired to do it, but how do you do that and day in, day out, be able you know, to go and walk into those situations? I really think that those of us who go in, especially with CPS, and I still stay in contact with CPS workers, and the and I think that most of them are truly called by God to do that work because mm. it's not about the money. You can make more money. I've made more money than that, you know, just 
doing private, private work. Right. You know, it, it, if you really want to help families and you really want to help children and you really want to be there, I think it's a calling. And I think if you do what God calls you to do, he'll help you get through it. Mm. You know, I would always just, I'm not saying it was easy sometimes to go to sleep. Sure. You know, I didn't turn to drugs. I didn't turn to alcohol, Coping. which is a good thing. Right. Absolutely. You know, I could have, but, and I knew some who did. You know, but so I would say my prayers. I, I think that if it's your calling, you, you'll get through it and you'll get up and you'll do it another day. And then you'll get a good story and it will make those bad memories lighter. Yeah. Knowing what you help. So do you have right. a good story? Let's oh, go I and do. cleanse the palate of, those, of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Share one of those with I us. I do. So. I have this one family that I've worked with not long ago. Both parents were heavily involved in drugs, heavily. The children were taken, beautiful children, um, older children, old enough to, I mean, you know, like 10 and 12 and 15, old enough to know what's going on, old enough to to hide what their parents are doing or try to. Mm -hmm. But grandparents got involved and those kids were removed. Uh, They were court ordered to go to counseling. They came to me. The dad was the most angry man at me I have ever seen. I mean, I would try to work with him, and he would get up and leave my office and go stomping outside and curse and be ugly. And I kept on, we kept on, we kept on. And to make that long story short, they are both drug-free for the second year. Wow. Their children are back home. They're leaders in their drug-free groups. They mm-hmm. work their program. They're heavily involved in church. And one child just graduated high school. Wow. Uh, the other two are both playing football. I won't say where because, of yeah. course, for their confidentiality. Sure. But they stay very closely in touch with me. And I am so happy for that family because, to be honest, I didn't really think they'd make it. Yeah, and you've probably give up. had a good sense of that over the years. But the ones I, didn't, that will. I didn't think they'd make it together. I thought mom was a little bit further along and dad was too angry, but he he kept coming back. And when he kept coming back, I thought, okay, if he's not quitting on me, there's something there to work with. So we kept on, we kept on. And the thing that kept it, he really loved his family. And now he is, he's doing some uh, lay pastoring. He's, uh, he puts himself on call. They both do to go be sponsors, to go help people who have a drug problem. And I am so incredibly proud of them. And their children are so incredibly proud of them that that is one of my favorite stories. Oh, that's amazing. And I just think about, again, with Simple Church, one thing we like to say is it's okay to not be okay, but it's right. not okay to stay there. And that I think too many times the the image of church is get your stuff together and then come to church. Exactly. And I think so many of Jesus' examples said he was going out to where they were exactly. to meet them where they're at to help them to get to that point. And that's such a big difference. And it's well, and like, I have people all the time who will say, "How do you work with such a population, which you know, such a variety of you know criminals and you know?" And I see them in Walmart. They'll you know used to give me a hug. They can't now because of COVID. <laughs> COVID but, right. You know, big, tall, mean-looking dudes, and, you know, I'm all about it because, you know, we are all children of God, and except by the grace of God, there go I. 
Right. You know, oh, absolutely. and that is the one thing my dad always taught me. And I'm mm-hmm. so appreciative of that. Oh, that goes into parenting perfectly. Yes. It's a good segment. Yes. So what would you say is something that maybe you learned from your parents that helped you into this? And then what is something that you've learned about parenting through working in social work or advice you would give parents listening to this podcast? Well, from my own childhood, uh, of course, like I said, my mother was bipolar. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was the most loving person in the world when she was on track. But uh, my dad was so, uh, so in touch with things and he loved her so much and he loved me. He kept us, you know, together and kept us us safe. And, you know, one of the things that he always told me was, except by the grace of God, there go I. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever turn your back on anybody. Don't ever think you're better than anybody else. Mm. And when you have children, you teach them respect. You teach them to respect those who have more than us and who have less than us. And even those who just got out of jail, then you never think that you're better than anyone else. So I kept that in mind. And I always taught my son, you know, you are not better than anyone else. You are as good as anyone else, you know, but, and, and my dad also told me, choose your battles wisely when you have children, Mm. (laughs) you know, especially when they're getting older, you know, you have to learn to compromise. So during my work in social work, what I have learned and what I try to encourage, and and I've done parenting classes. Mm. I'm not, Really sure there's anything I haven't done in the field of social work, to be really honest. <laughs> Sounds like you've I've done, done a lot. Options, I've done, you name it. You know, but one of the things I've done is parenting classes. And I really like to help parents learn to teach their children respect and to also provide discipline. Children do need discipline. They don't need to be beaten. You know, they don't need to be uh, burned. They don't need to be harmed. They need to be taught loving discipline. And we are not our children's friends. Mm. We are their parents. And my dad also used to say, if you're mad at me because I told you you can't do something, then I'm doing my job. Hmm. You know, I'm not your friend. Right. I'm your dad. And it might not be fun and not be what you want to right. do in that and moment. And you're not going to like me sometimes. <laughs> right. And that's what and I remember telling, you know, it's like when you hear the voices of your parents come out of your mouth, you know, I remember telling my son, okay, you're mad at me. Then that means I'm doing my job, but you're still not going, <laughs> you know. So proper discipline. Yeah. Consistent discipline. You know, choosing your battles wisely. Another battle that me and my son used to have, he was a slob, okay? When I said he wasn't (laughs) perfect, that was his main downfall. His room looked like a pigsty. And it, it totally grossed me out. So we would fight, we would fight, we would fight about the room. Well, finally I said, okay, let's compromise. Can you get everything picked up off the floor and take all your dishes and everything back to the sink for me? If your clothes are on your bed or anything, that's fine. And how old is he? He was 16 okay. at that time. So teenager, yeah. 15, 16. He said, oh, well, I could do that. And from then on, we never had a problem. But he wasn't going to hang up his clothes really good. But then gradually, when we weren't fighting all the time, I noticed he was putting his clothes away. Hmm. You know, so... Hope for some parents out there. Yes. Actually, it was that battle of the wheels. We were suffering from a battle of, because when they get 15, 16, and now it's 13 and 14, they start trying to show that they're in control, Mm. you know, and we actually can't let them do that, but we can let them have some compromises, give them a choice. Like you can either do this or you can do this. Which one do you choose? You know, and then they feel like, okay, 
I'm in a little bit of control. That also works with little kids. You know, when you're doing that twos and threes and fours, which you have. I'm in the so middle of it, absolutely. Close, I, that's why I do know, this podcast. <laughs> you, you do the choices thing because they feel like, oh, man, I'm, I'm a big kid. I get to make a choice. Empowered. Yeah, I'm empowered. Absolutely. No, that's good. I appreciate that. And it puts you in a spot and you don't have to do it on the top of your head. But do you have any books or resources you would recommend about discipline specifically? Because that is a thing I think a lot of parents struggle with. And it seems like the culture trend is going towards being the friend and kind of yes i do and i have a whole set of books that i fall back on a lot it's called parenting with love awesome and uh, there's a variety of them for teenagers for middle school for little kids for young adults yeah you know because dealing with your young adult kids which now i've inherited a whole bunch since i married my (laughs) husband blended family yeah that's a whole nother kids and huge things and you know but those are really good books absolutely we'll put a link to that in the show notes i'm gonna find those and put it in there to help people because if you're listening to a parenting podcast you go ahead and just give yourself a pat on the back you're willing to try and to be a better parent and i half jokingly say i'm doing this because i want to learn to be a better parent and i get to talk to great people like you and you never learn it all Mm. that's it, it and you're never a perfect parent. And I think that we all have to remember that. We do the best we can. We stay consistent. We teach, teach independence and not enabling. And we keep them close to God and we'll be okay. That's exactly right. And that goes into perfectly Christmas because we're in the middle of the Christmas season. And I think a lot of parents feel pressure and oh, yes. buying the gifts and Been making there, it up. Done yeah, that. Absolutely. So maybe just talk a little bit about your family, Christmas traditions growing up or what that was like. And maybe if you have any kind of holiday advice or Christmas season advice for parents. Growing up, our Christmases were pretty small since I was an only child. Um, but we still always spent Christmas uh, Day at home. At, at, especially in the morning I always woke up at my house on Christmas morning and then we went to grandparents in the afternoon your whole traditional eat all day long kind of oh, thing oh yeah with me and my husband now when my son was growing up I always tried to make sure he was home on Christmas morning and grandparents came to our house yeah okay for my traditions now with five grown kids and eight grade kids and you know, great grandkids, and some of them living all over the place. Like last year, we ended up in Dallas, Texas, in a hotel suite with a tiny little Christmas tree on the middle of the coffee table <laughs> with gifts everywhere. But that's where everybody could meet. Yeah, we still all try to get together. We still all try to have some laughs. And me and my husband, Christmas Eve is usually ours. Just, mm. just together yeah now this year he and i are going this weekend to marshall to spend the weekend we're going to do jefferson we're going to do marshall see the lights yeah but our little tradition is we each get each other an ornament i used to do this with my son an ornament each year that signifies something about you we do the same thing and we put it on the tree every and i still put all of his on there yeah my only, I remember those Christmases where I didn't have enough money to really do a lot of stuff for my son. When I was divorced, too many bills, not enough money coming in. Yeah. You know, I, I've hocked things before. Mm. Okay. I don't advise it, but <laughs> I'm just saying that is because I've been there. Yeah. You know, don't stress yourself out over not getting stuff. Mm. That's one of the things I want parents not to do is to focus on the stuff. And it's so easy for us to do that because the kids see the commercials. And their, their friends have this and that. But that's where we come in and we have to teach them the reason for the season. You know, because I think 
we end up getting a little bit too far away from that. And that way we hurt ourselves. We go in debt, we borrow money, we spend more than we need to spend, and then we spend the whole next year trying to pay it. And I've done that, and I wish I hadn't, Mm. you know. So my advice, you know, chill out and enjoy the things like the reindeer dash and, you know, going to do the things that don't cost you a ton of money. Go look at Christmas lights. I love the old board game nights with the kids, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, things that bring you together and not just stuff. Absolutely. And that's a great plug for Reindeer Dash. This is playing on Wednesday, so you've got a little bit of time left to sign up. It'll be Sunday okay, night, I'm December excited. 20th. Yeah. And at any ages, it's safe. You can drive through and yes. it is completely free. You actually can win some prizes. So you might make a little money cool. going and doing that on the Reindeer Dash. But we are trying to provide those things for families. We did the aquarium last week for families. And as Simple Church, we want to partner with you and walk alongside you because we know money's tight. We know it's Being hard. isolated is the worst thing you can possibly be. Mm, and I think there's going to be long term ramifications might have to come back next year and have you talk about cool. how it's affecting everybody oh and yes yes this year's a tough one this year's a tough one because we can't even get our families together like we normally do right you know without running the risk of danger absolutely and everybody responds to that differently and there's yes, tension in the do. family of how to handle it they do it's going to be a weird year well with my age huh, i'm going to take care of me you know because yes, i think ma'am. i still got some things i can do out there in this world hmm. i may be 65 this is one of them. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, we are so thankful you did. And we ask everybody that comes on the podcast is the last question to wrap up the best piece of parenting advice you ever received. And you might have already tipped that I with your dad. Did. Yeah. And that was choose your battles wisely. Mm. And um, also to remember that you can't be your children's friends. You have to be their leaders. You have to be their teachers. They're, you're their guide. You are their link to the future. And, you know, Teach them how to be independent. One of the things that I always kept in my mind, and this too came from my dad. I was a daddy's girl, and he was super smart. (laughs) I didn't really know it then, but I know it now. He always said, I need to know as a parent that you'll be okay if I'm not here, Mm. that you'll be able to survive without me. And those are things that I tried to teach mine. Now, it didn't work that way. I I outlived him, which is a little bit out of the norm, but... I was comfortable enough to know he'd be okay if I was gone. Yeah, independence. You know? He is had the goal. his spirituality. Yeah, he had his faith and he had his education. He had a job. He would be okay. So I had done my job. No, that's good. And I think yeah, especially friends my age. I'm 33, and the younger kids is it's that balance of trying to be the friend and give them what they want it and let is. them run the and, house. And I remember yeah. that struggle. Oh, I remember yeah. wanting to be loved and liked to be the good exactly. parent. Exactly. And I know a lot of teenage parents over the years I've talked with yeah. where they feel like yeah. they don't respect them or they don't listen and they right. get out of control at a certain age, and then it becomes I mean they're a danger to other people or they, they get are. in trouble with the law. And, and I work <laughs> with a lot of those kids, yeah. and you know I'm trying to fix them. When actually it's something that I can't go back and fix, Mm. you know, because they didn't learn respect. They didn't learn how to obey rules or respect authority. And, you know, the things that we have to because it's like I tell my kids that I work with, you will always have a boss. Ultimately, God Mm. is our boss. You will always have directions that you have to follow. You know, whether you like them or not, I'm an old lady. I have to follow (laughs) rules, you know. I may work for myself, but I have laws that I have to go by. I have rules that I have to go by. 
and nobody likes them. They're no fun, no, and it's but, not what you'd you want. Know, it but is what it is. Absolutely. Right? No, that's great. Well, thank you so much. You're Again, so we're going to put in the show notes. So if you guys are looking for somebody that can help, and I'm definitely going to save your number and have the resource because we do have families that go through just awful situations. And knowing that there's somebody out there like you that is a Christian that is trying to help in the community, it means the world to me. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of all those people that you've helped thank over the years. Thank you year. for having me. Oh, yeah. And I hope if you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe, get some more great parenting advice. And Marsha, thank you so much. You're welcome welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode. I know there's some tough moments in there and I just think about all the people that day in and day out are working on behalf of children's and families and our community in our area. And we hope that if you are somebody that is going through a difficult time, maybe you have suffered the loss of a child, you're going through something that you need help with, please reach out to me, Evan at thesimplechurch.tv, and we can get you connected to the right people like Marsha who are in the community, who are following their calling and what God has asked them to do in their life through difficult circumstances that most of us can't imagine and that we would help to connect you and to get you where you need to go. Thank you again for listening and continue to try to be a better parent. We hope you have a great week and Merry Christmas.